Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back. This is our daily devotional for Monday, October 30th, 2023, and I hope that it finds you doing very well after having a wonderful fall weekend. How can it be the end of October already? I do not know. Time has moved very quickly this month, as it has with all the others, and yes, I'm sure you're right. Those of you who would say, you just wait, mister, wait until you get older and then it's going to move much quicker. I, I'm, I'm sure that it will make sense mathematically speaking, but anyway, it doesn't mean that I have to like it. Nevertheless, here we are, and I'm glad to have had this time with you this month, and I'm glad to have this time ahead of us today. We finally made it through Acts chapter 15. It took us long enough, I know, but there's a lot of things packed into there. And where we come today, to a certain extent, is, is kind of an extension of Acts chapter 15. If you recall, in chapter 15, you see the first major, major issue of the early church, which is what? Well, it's that Jews have come out and have said to Gentiles, if you want to be a Christian, you got to be a Jew first. In other words, people have added to the plan of salvation that that that. Um, particularly Acts 15.1. Some men came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved, right? And then they would go on to talk about keeping the law of Moses, which means not the moral law. Of course, everybody's supposed to keep that, but the ceremonial law, right? You got to celebrate the feast, all these different things. Obviously, this uh, brought people into sharp dispute with one another. It wasn't the message the Gentiles heard. Um, it wasn't the message that Peter preached or Paul and Barnabas, others. Um, so instead, Acts 15, verse 6, the apostles and elders met to consider the question. First Presbytery meeting there, the Presbyteral and the apostles met together. End result was that Peter spoke, then Paul, then Barnab Paul and Barnabas, then James spoke. All of them said the same thing, that, that this is not a burden that should be placed on the Gentiles. Then they wrote a letter and, and they packed it up and they sent it with some disciples to go carry it to the Gentiles, right? Where we left off the last time, though, was with this sharp disagreement between Paul and Barnabas. And it all revolved around John Mark. And I'm, I'm not going to get into that today, but go back and watch the previous daily devotionals because where we left off, um, I'll, I'll just read it. It's Acts 15, verse 39. It says, they, and this is Paul and Barnabas, had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, um, commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. If you recall, it was Paul's sense of calling, Paul listening to the Holy Spirit saying, hey, we need to loop back around to the Gentile churches now. We need to check on them. Also, they had this message to deliver. So that's where we left things, and where we're picking up is with Paul, right? Um, Paul and Silas together going throughout Derby. okay? With that in mind, let's see what happens next, because while Acts 15 is over, this is connected in a certain way. It's also connected to the idea of what you do and don't do for the sake of your brothers. Let's pray, and then we'll talk about this. Father, please be with us now. Guide us in this time as we examine the historical record of what Paul and Silas did, of how your church grew and how you preserved it, but also let us see the connection to us today and let us love one another. 
So please guide us now, and we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so picking up in Acts chapter 16, verse 1, he came to Derby. The he is Paul, okay? We know that he chose Silas to go with him. It says, verse uh, chapter 16, verse 1 of the book of Acts, he came to Derby and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was a Jewess and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. Okay, pausing right there at the end of verse one, the dynamic is laid out. Paul has found out about this guy named Timothy. And spoiler alert, yes, later he's going to write to Timothy after Timothy becomes pastor. Same guy, okay, same guy. First and second Timothy are written to this Timothy. But this is when Paul is first introduced to him or first finds out about him. And the dynamic is, is that Timothy's mother is a believer and a Jew. Okay, so that means she was a Jew, um, and then she became a believer. But what's fascinating there is also the dynamic that when he gets to Lystra, right, Lystra is in Gentile territory, Timothy's mother, who is a Jew and also a believer, is married to a Greek who is not a believer, or at least that's what we should gather from this, in my opinion. Later on, we will find out in, in Timothy, in Paul's letter to Timothy, that Paul not only talks about Timothy's mother teaching him about the faith, but also his grandmother who was faithful. Okay, but that's, that's for different daily devotionals altogether. But that's the dynamic. His mother is a believer and a Jew. His father is simply a Greek. As far as we can tell, he is not a believer. So verse two, the brothers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Stop. Pause. Does anybody see anything interesting about this? You know, if you take chapter 16 as a freestanding chapter, what I'm saying here is, if you hadn't just read chapter 15 and you read chapter 16, you might say, oh, okay, I, I, yeah. And it, I'm sure that wasn't a fun experience, but it kind of makes sense that Paul should circumcise Timothy um, because of the Jews that they're going to. But but wait, we, we just read chapter 15, right? Chapter 15, verse one is about men coming down from Judea saying that it's necessary to be circumcised. And here you have... Paul, who just spoke against this concept, right? Where Paul and Barnabas came into sharp dispute. Chapter 15, verse 1 said, unless you're circumcised, according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. And then later on at the Council of Jerusalem, that first Presbyterian meeting, Paul and Barnabas tell about the wonders that have taken place with the Gentiles, speaking against this idea that they have to be circumcised. And then Paul, in the very next chapter, ends up circumcising Timothy. Has he fallen down a flight of stairs? Has he, has he hit his head? It, the answer to that is no, y'all. No, not at all. In fact, it's a different dynamic altogether. Pay attention to what we just read. All right, again, chapter three or chapter 16, verse three. Paul wanted to take him, Timothy, along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. 
Oh, all right. Indeed, the end result is the same that Timothy is circumcised. But the reason that Paul circumcised Timothy is not because of chapter 15, verse 1. This is not an issue of salvation. In fact, it's not even really an issue of spirituality. It's definitely not an issue of devotion. Paul has not fallen down a flight of stairs. He hasn't hit his head. He isn't suffering from amnesia. And he would argue, even right after doing this with Timothy, he would still argue what he argued back in chapter 15 because the difference is this. The reason that Paul had Timothy circumcised right, is because they were going to go and minister in a Jewish area. And everybody knew that Timothy's father was a Greek, all right? So this is an act that has been done to Timothy with Timothy's consent, of course, in order to minister better to the people that they're going to be seeing. This is a practical decision, okay? Um, this is not about Paul saying, that's what it is. It's not Paul saying, all right, Timothy, that's great. Man, heard lots of good things about you, buddy. Wonderful that your mom um, is a Jewess, right? It's great that she's a believer. I've heard that you are too. Fabulous. Look, um, in order to seal the deal on this thing, though, we got to get you circumcised if you really want to be a believer. That's not what Paul is doing here, okay? Paul isn't even capitulating to that idea at all. Instead, you might say, well, what is he doing? Well, what he's doing is he's loving his brothers. That's what. If you take your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And there's several places that we could turn to. We could turn to Romans 14 just as easily. But 1 Corinthians chapter 10 really encapsulates what's going on with Paul here and why he's doing what he's doing. 1 Corinthians 10, and we're going to start reading in verse 23. And if you need some more time, just pause me for a second. But 1 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning in verse 23, is all about Christian liberty. It's not about what is required by God's word, but instead what should be manifest as Christians live together. And just listen to, to what Paul is writing about here. Now realize the background of this is he's dealing with another controversy. And that controversy is what can be eaten. And no, we're not just talking about kosher versus non-kosher. We're talking about is it permissible for Christians to eat meat that has been sacrificed to idols? Very common practice in Gentile marketplaces, right? Meat would be sacrificed to idols, and then that meat would turn and be sold in the meat market, okay? And and, and the question is, can they eat that, that, that sort of meat? Is it sinful for them to eat meat that's sacrificed to idols? Paul says this, chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians, verse 23, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive, Nobody should seek his own good, but the good of others. Eat anything sold in the meat market without raising questions of conscience, for the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Now, pause for just a second. This is Paul talking about the issue of conscience. We won't do it today because we don't have time, but if you go to Romans chapter 14, you see that this same discussion is being had over days that are considered holy, over things that are eaten, over things that you drink. 
Okay. I've talked about this in relation to alcohol, you know, all that kind of stuff before in the past. That's separate daily devotionals. But, but nevertheless, okay, same principle being revealed here. Um, and, and you might say, well, what does that have to do with today? Guys, all the time we hear about boycotts where people say, I'm not going to eat at that restaurant because I don't believe it's right for me to, or because I believe that I, I shouldn't support this or that. If that's you, you know, you do you. Okay. Um, you know, if, if Paul could eat meat sacrificed to idols, right. And said, eat whatever you want to eat. It Remember what Jesus taught? It's not about what goes inside you that makes you unclean. It's about what comes out of you that makes you unclean. So anyway, right? So, so this does apply to us today. That's the principle that he's dealing with. And he tells them, look, you can do whatever you want, but not everything is beneficial or constructive. And then he takes it up a notch, okay? In relation to how you interact with other believers. And this is where we bring the horse around the barn back to why Paul circumcised Timothy. Verse 27, if some unbeliever invites you to a meal and you want to go, eat whatever's put before you without raising questions of conscience. But if anyone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it both for the sake of the man who told you and for conscience sake. The other man's conscience, I mean, not yours. For why should my freedom be judged by another's conscience? If I take part in the meal with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of something I thank God for? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And this is the key. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God, even as I try to please everybody in every way, for I'm not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. Y'all, in Romans, he would say the same thing practically about what you eat or what you drink or about the days that you celebrate. And he would warn about exercising Christian liberty at the sake of another believer's conscience, at the sake of a weak believer's conscience. Romans 14 is all about those that are strong in the faith and those who are weak in the faith. And it's those who are weak that add all the different rules to God's word that aren't really there for believers. The point is this, you're to do what you're to do in light of putting other people first. That's what's going on here with Paul and Timothy. Paul knows that they are going into this Jewish area. He knows that Timothy, for the sake of his ministry, has this tag attached to him, right? That, that hey, his mother's a believer and a Jewess, but his father's a Greek and he was never circumcised. And so he circumcises them. It's not about spiritual significance. It's not about making sure that Timothy is saved. It's simply about Paul and Timothy loving their brothers and removing any hindrances that might exist or that might render Timothy's ministry ineffective, you see. The end result is the same, that Timothy is circumcised, but the motivation, the rationale behind it makes all the difference in the world. So no, Paul hasn't fallen down a flight of stairs. No, he, he isn't suffering from temporary amnesia where he's forgotten everything that he argued, everything that he did, everything that he's previously preached. He's just being practical about the ministry tasks that lie before them. That's it. 
And just nothing else should be attached to this. So we find out again, verse 3, chapter 16. Paul wanted to take him, Timothy, along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area. For they all knew that his father, <clears throat> excuse me, that his father was a Greek. As they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and the elders. Remember, they're, they're doing what they were told to do, right? They're taking these decisions about circumcision, these things. Uh, so they take the decisions made by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. This also included that bit about the meat sacrificed to idols, um, taking blood, that sort of thing. It's just them standing up against paganism. And the end result, verse 5. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. Y'all, what we see on display here is not about spiritual significance of being circumcised. It doesn't add to the case of the Judaizers that came out of Judea teaching that you have to follow Moses' law. No. Instead, you see something else. And this also has crossover to us today. Not only do we do things from time to time for the sake of other people that we may not feel compelled to do, but out of love... We do what we do because we know it will aid in our relationship with other people. Life is all about that, isn't it? Life is all about making concessions out of love for some other people, for, for the people that you love. That, that's what life is. You have to lay aside your wants from time to time, and instead you have to choose to love people and come to their level. That's one of the applications here. But also, the other application is what we see when a church is united. What we see when a church loves one another. What is that? The churches were strengthened in faith and grew daily in numbers. Y'all, church growth is not some complicated thing. Not like people make it out to be. There's always a new book. There's always a new method. And then there's usually these new methods involve drastic changes, right? You got to get rid of the choir. Got to get rid of the hymn book. Got to get rid of the Bible song book. And if you're, a, if, if you're an ARP, you know what a Bible song book is. If you're not, you probably don't. But that's for a different topic all the time. It's, it's our Psalter, right? It's the Psalms. People say, oh, you can't do this anymore. You got to do this in worship and you got to do that in worship. And y'all, that reduces church growth to tactics. Growing the church is not about tactics. Growing the church is about people coming to know the Lord. Or people reconnecting with the Lord. Growing the church is about loving each other. That's what growing the church is about. Because when we love each other, and when that's evident to people on the outside, they have to find out what's going on. They got to be a part of that too, because it's the only genuine thing in our world. What you see Paul doing with Timothy is a genuine act of love. What you see Timothy committing to is an act of sacrifice for the sake of his brothers. And that's what the Lord blesses. On the same, or on the other hand, I should say, at the same time, when a church doesn't love one another, when a church isn't willing to put other people first, when there's turf, when there's territory, when things get nasty, y'all, that's what destroys churches. Let the listener understand. What we have here is the Acts of the Apostles, the way that the Lord built the church. Happened 2,000 years ago, but it still applies to you and me today. Let's pray.
Our Father, we thank you for this time that you have given to us, and I pray your blessings on all who uh, who find it, whether it's uh, right now, whether it's later. I, I don't know how you're going to use this, but I know that you have. I know that you will. Let us examine how we live. Let us examine how we function in your church. Examine how we love one another, what we're willing to lay aside just for the sake of unity, for the sake of putting others first. Please work in our hearts that we would examine ourselves. And we pray it all in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I'd like to thank you all for being a part of this time. Lord willing, we will be back tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. Until then, I hope everybody has a fantastic Monday or whatever day it is that you find this. And hopefully we will see you again soon.